It is another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Heber. He's a retired portfolio manager. I'm Gordon Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. And, and I want to allude to that, Ron, you know, during my career in broadcasting, the last uh, half of it, I worked in news talk radio. And, and I had to be prepared. I, I had to do my research, had to do my homework, tried to stay informed. I still to this day try to do that, but it's getting harder for me to interpret what I should believe and what I shouldn't. The, the misinformation that's going on about a recovery of our economy, it's all over the place. What do you think about that? You know, the stock market is telling you that a recovery is imminent and that the frontiers of medical science are going to be able to come with up with a either a type of medicine that reduces or eliminates the effects of uh, the coronavirus or that we're going to be able to magically come up with a vaccine that does the same thing and of course if you look at actually what's going on in the economy well there's been a bounce off the bottom absolutely but you know, I saw a survey yesterday. They surveyed a number of companies that are in the food service and restaurant business in Montreal. And 61% of them say that unless things change dramatically, they're not going to survive. And I know that Yelp has a website where they have 132,000 companies that had to close because of regulations in the U.S., half of those companies already have said they're not going to reopen. They're done. And so if we have a delay, if we have a second wave, then virtually all these prognostications of what's going to happen, you can toss them, you can toss them out the window. And that's why we want to talk about the different kind of recoveries, because the market's basically telling you there's one outcome. There's a V-shaped recovery, which is you hit the bottom, you bounce right back up, and everything is going to be wonderful here in the next few months. And I'm not convinced that's going to happen, because if you look at the economy, it isn't happening. And in September, typically, that's where you see many of these grants and fund flows that are going to the average individual, they're going to dry up. They're going to dry up. And of course, in Canada, it's going to go on a little longer. But in many countries, they just don't have the balance sheets to go in and support renters, business owners, employees, football teams, airlines, and the list goes on and on. Everybody that feels that they deserve some money. The government doesn't have the balance sheet to do this. And sooner Rather than later, um, you're going to see governments going to have to cut back on this. And if they can't keep the economy pumped up to where it is, then things are going to get worse, and we probably won't have that V-shaped recovery. So you want to be very careful here. So you wouldn't want to be running out. And we've talked about how it's, it's the average investor that's been driving this market up. It's not institutional buying over the last two or three months. You want to be careful if you think you're going to jump on board now and, and really hit a home run. One of the biggest mistakes investors make cycle after cycle after cycle is piling on when the institutions are fearing to tread. 
And we've been seeing, especially the millennials and Generation Z, they've been opening accounts at their discount brokerage firm and day trading their little hearts out. And often, because they don't have a lot of money, they're leveraging. In other words, they're borrowing from the investment firm to really magnify the size of the portfolio they have. And the problem with that is that when you go up, I mean, if, if something um, doubles in price, you know, and you, you've, uh, your investment has grown by three times uh, or four times. So, but if it goes down that amount, well, essentially, if you buy something that's worth $100, it goes to $50, you're wiped out. Yeah. So, you know, leverage is a two-edged sword. And, of course, when it, it all looks good when it's going up. But you just have to be very, very careful here to make sure you temper your enthusiasm. <laughs> because investing is not a one-inning game. It's a nine-inning game. And you've got to pace yourself like running a marathon so you've got enough energy and enough resources to make it to the finish line, not to... Uh, banking all your money when you're young, getting wiped out, and then having to start all over again. You know, that's a bad way to invest. So that's why we want to talk about what happens if we don't get a V-shaped recovery. And, of course, we'll be talking about the V-shaped recovery as well. Okay, so is your is your gut right now telling you V-shaped is probably a long shot right now? My gut is certainly telling me that, uh, you know, I know we've got some vaccines that might be coming uh, this fall, and in a very limited way, might be ready by Christmas. But if we're going to vaccinate everybody, that's 8 billion people. And to be able to get that kind of broad coverage... This is not going to happen. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. It's going to take, you know, even some of the most optimistic sources I've seen have said it's going to happen way into 2021, and probably way into 2022. So even if we do find, uh, we, we do get a vaccine or we do get some kind of, of medicine for it. Could be a couple of years before yeah, we see the thing shut down. It could be a long time. And, uh, and for markets, two years is forever. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, let's talk about, we, we explain what a V-shaped recovery is. You come down, you hit the bottom, you bounce up. Let's talk about a U-shaped recovery. That one doesn't sound quite as user-friendly. No, a U-shaped recovery is probably the best best visual is to look at your bathtub. So usually you've got fairly steep sides, but you've got a big, wide, flat bottom, and then the other side begins to go back up. And that's typically what a U-shaped uh, recovery looks like. The bottom part where things flatten out and take a while to recover is usually an extensive period. And unlike a bathtub, uh, the bottom can be really bumpy stuff near the, near the lows. So uh, a U-shaped recovery is still a recovery, but it can take a couple of years to happen. And when you've got markets expecting a recovery to happen right away, if you get a recovery that takes longer, so for example, let's say coronavirus takes, uh, we get a second, maybe even third phase of this, and it takes a while for, for the economy to really get going again, well, the market is expecting instant things and wonderful things, and if they don't get them, 
well, there could be a surprise to the downside, and that's the that's the risk right now. So you make an example here, 1973 to 75. Uh, those of us who were around might recall that. In the U.S., that was a U-shaped recovery. In early 73, the economy began to shrink and continued to decline or have very low growth for nearly two years. And, and it took them a while to get things going again. Absolutely, and don't forget those were the time that those were the times where we had uh, the oil crisis. Oil crisis. I yeah. think Vietnam was a big mm. item back then, and and certainly higher inflation and interest rates. Every time you turned around, were going up, and uh, the economy recovered, but with all the unrest on campuses, and of course, uh, you had Nixon, who was slowly in the process of getting impeached back then, the market just took a long time to get going because there was just a lot of issues that they had to overcome. And Do you look around right now, there's a lot of similarity, Ron. Oh, I think there's a lot of similarity between what happened in the, the 70s. I mean, not the same economic issues. No, but the unrest and the civil disobedience, if you want to call it that, and, and all the rest of it. Yeah, and markets don't recover from that kind of stuff immediately. It takes it takes society a while to work through all these issues, and and uh, they'll work through them. But it, it don't expect things instantly, and that's what a U-shaped recovery will tell you. Okay, what about a W-shaped recovery? This one sounds like uh, an adventure down a, a poorly constructed road or something. <laughs> it's probably better known as a double-dip recession. The economy falls into recession recovers with a short period of growth, then falls into recession again, and it's also called the down-up, down-up pattern, which resembles a W. And we certainly saw that, Gord, in 2007 to 2009. Uh, Europeans were not nearly as aggressive as North Americans in stimulating their economy and getting it going again. So their economy did rally in 2010, but it fell into recession again between 2011 and 2013, and so it required a much more aggressive intervention by central banks, lowering interest rates, and on it goes. And so in Europe, rather than seeing a single down-up pattern, you had the double down-up. And to be honest with you, if we go into a serious second or third phase of the coronavirus, you know, this is a possibility that that could happen here. In a lot of countries, we think of the, the names that jump to mind. I mean, many of them, Italy, Spain, Portugal, basically most of Europe, right? Most of Europe was hit pretty hard with a second, uh, second down dip. And, of course, their markets have, have reacted in the same direction. Okay, an L-shaped recovery, I don't know that we, uh, we like the sounds of this one. <laughs> no, an L-shaped recovery is like the letter L. It goes down and then it goes sideways. And if you take a look at a classic L-shaped recovery, in Japan in 1989, uh, the Japanese stock market was almost at, the Nikkei was almost at 40,000 points. Today it's at 23. So it still hasn't recovered, and that uh, literally was uh, 30 years ago. So they raised, they raised interest rates during that time, didn't they? They raised interest rates during that time, and of course, then interest, the market crashed. Interest rates literally dropped to zero and uh, have essentially stayed there for decades now. Uh, we've seen very, very slow growth of 
you know, they struggle to get 1% growth every year. And even... And this even, was a, one of the world's leading economies for years. Yeah, but it got, things got so inflated there. Like they said, at one point, the grounds on which the uh, Japan's emperor, they had their palace and his official residence, the value of that official residence was worth the entire real estate value of the entire state of California. So things wow. got so crazy there that when they deflated, it took a very, very long time for that market to recover. So an L-shaped recovery is one of those markets uh, experiences, Gord, where the problems are huge, and it takes often years, maybe even decades, for a final recovery to take place. I mean, another example is look at Greece. Oh, that's been a mess for, what, a decade and a half now, Yeah, basically. it's been a mess for a long time. And frankly, they were just starting to stagger back to some form of economic life when the pandemic hit. And, of course, you can't travel. And one of the biggest components of Greece's economy... Tourism. ...is tourism, right? Yeah. You know, so Greece could take a long time to make a recovery just because the, the problems it's facing right now just aren't helping it to, to recover. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to get you to put on your Karnak the Magnificent, to quote the late Johnny Carson, and get you to give us your prediction. What kind of a recovery do you think this is going to lead to, this pandemic? Well, I think personally we're looking for a U-shaped recovery or a W-shaped recovery, and I hate making economic predictions because my predictions generally are no better than anybody else's. But I, it just has that feeling, though, doesn't it? It just doesn't look like this is going to be a V-shaped recovery, like everything's going to return to normal over a very, very short period of time. And so, you know, if you have a V-shaped recovery, well, the strategy was back in March when things hit their low, just to pile in. Well, I bought a few things in uh, March, Gord, and uh, along the way there's been some bumps, and so I've added a few positions since then. But, you know, I firmly think that this recovery is going to take some time, that it could look like a U-shape, and if it's a U-shape, that uh, the market is overreacting, and I'm going to get another opportunity to invest. Yeah, you spread your purchases out, right? Exactly. You spread your purchases out, and if we get another pullback, there's going to be other opportunities to either add to things that I already own that I like or to find other sectors of the economy that I don't particularly have a lot of exposure in in right now, but I'd like to add to. And I mean, a couple of names that come to mind for me in my own portfolio is I'm underweight transportation, so I'd love to add a railroad stock. And if we get a U recovery or we get a W recovery where the economy comes out of recession, but then we get overwhelmed with a second or third phase, and the market's disappointed because vaccines don't work as well as they've been hyped to do. Well, if we have a second rec uh, recession, the markets will drop back down, and I'll have another opportunity to buy on the second drop. So if you think there's a U or there's a W, sort of where I'm sitting right now, waiting for, for other opportunities, then you just want to be patient and wait for the market to give you those opportunities because when disappointing news comes out, investors get disappointed and they sell, and that's where you're going to get your opportunity. And if this perish the thought were to be an L-shaped recovery, uh, those are very, very choppy waters in which to navigate. 
Yeah, some analysts think that literally a third of small business in general and a third of restaurants in particular could permanently close by next summer. And in that case, even though GICs aren't paying much, it's still better than watching your portfolio go down. And if you believe that if we get into an L-shaped recovery, that central banks are going to be printing like there's no tomorrow, and if that's the case, you certainly want to load your portfolio up on inflation-sensitive things like real estate, precious metals, real return bonds, other commodities, um, because inflation certainly will have um, a big, uh, be a big component of the going forward economy. And the way to play that is to have an overweight of inflation-sensitive type investments in that portfolio. Well, you make a point here. You have to be more concerned with return of capital than return on capital. One of the great investment sayings that I had posted on my desk in a little wooden plaque for years is having biggest focus has to be just on getting your money back and preserving your capital. Because in tough markets, as we've seen, you know, the 2007 to 2009, that was a wall of Palooza. Market dropped 56%. In 1999, 2000, the market dropped 49%. So you want to be concerned about preserving your capital, especially if you're getting close to retirement. If your, your, your stockpile of cash goes down and investments goes down by 60% in value, uh, for most people, it's going to make those retirement dreams very, very difficult to fulfill. So that's why you want to watch these recoveries to see what's taking place because, uh, frankly, it's going to determine what your investment strategy is going forward. So to, to go back to the beginning of this conversation where I said I just, I'm just not too sure what to believe anymore, just read a good book instead. <laughs> instead of reading the headlines, trying to wrap your head around what's going on out there because the, the volume of noise is just overwhelming at times. That is a very, very good piece of advice. You want to un you want to keep up with what's going on, certainly, but you want to unplug yourself. I mean, the noise because we got a U.S. election coming up, and there is so much politics that's been attached to uh, uh, coronavirus. I mean, you get people blaming the the president for not effectually dealing with it. You get the president talking to the state, saying, "Well, look." Uh, it's more your responsibility than our responsibility. And, of course, the truth is that Americans are like herding cats, Gord. I mean, they're so, uh, anytime something happens to them, they'll, they'll quote you uh, something out of one of the amendments to the Constitution telling you their, their freedoms have been violated. Plus, with all the rioting they've had in the, the U.S. and all the close contact people have had with one another, of course, it's not politically correct to talk about that, but it's happened. That's helped spread the virus as well. So it's, it's a huge blame game right now. And you just, as an individual investor, you've got to make sure you don't get caught up in that stuff because, frankly, it's not going to help you make investment decisions at all. All right. Remember, if you have a question or a show suggestion, we're open to those as well. You can reach us uh, through our website, letsmakemoney.ca. It'll go right to our inbox, and we'd be happy to address it in upcoming episodes. Or you can reach us as well through our friends at CFCW, the CFCW.com website. We can direct email there as well. Stay safe, my friend. We'll be back next week with another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert. I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for joining us.
The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.